This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I want you to take your iPad, your iPhone, your Bible, whatever you have, and I want you to open it to the book of Ephesians, book that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to call your attention to verse 25 through verse 32. We've been preaching about family feud. We've had such a good time. And uh, Ephesians 4 verse 25 says this, Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. I've said a thousand times, if we always tell the truth, we don't have to remember what we say. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not, or don't deeply sadden the Holy Spirit of God, because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here, here's a great verse, folks. Here's a great verse. And be ye kind one to another. Amen. And be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Something to be said about just somebody being tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you and forgave me. I want to talk to you today about a marathon marriage. A marathon marriage. A special couple had been married 50 years. 50 years of marriage. And the husband was getting somewhat emotional. And uh, he said to his precious wife, after 50 years, I've found you tried and true. She said, what? He said, after 50 years, I've found you tried and true. She said, what? He said, after 50 years, I've found you tried and true. <laughs> she said to him, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> now, I believe with all my heart, that God wants us to have a marathon marriage. You say, what are you talking about, pastor, a marathon marriage? I'm talking about not a sprint. I'm talking about a marathon. I'm talking about a marriage that will go the distance. Now, God wants marriage to go the distance. He really does. You say, how do you know that? Because look what Romans 7 and 2 says. It says, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. I'm going to elaborate. I'll elaborate on this in just a few moments. But the perfect plan of God is one man for one woman for one lifetime. 
I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to tell you the perfect plan of God is one man for one woman for one lifetime. Because you got to understand something, folks. According to Malachi 2.16, God hates divorce, but he loves divorcees. God hates divorce, but he loves divorcees. Why would, why would God hate divorce so bad? I'll tell you why he hates divorce so bad. Because of the damage it does to people. Because of the hurt that it brings to people. See, the Bible says this, folks, in Genesis 2 and 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Get this down. That word cleave, it means to glue or to weld something. And when you glue something or you weld something, when you tear it apart, it does damage. When you break it apart, emotionally it does damage. Do you realize, folks, that if a person was married for 20 years and they get a divorce after 20 years, the psychologists that are not Christians, just secular, tell us that if you had a 20-year marriage, it will take you 10 years emotionally just to get past the marriage. 10 years. The average person who goes through a divorce 10 years later still has major feelings for the person that they divorced. I'll preach. You said, well, Brother Benny, Jesus talked a lot about marriage and divorce, didn't he? No. Only two times did Jesus address this subject. He addressed it in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. And he addressed it in Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Now understand, both times when Jesus addressed the marriage and divorce issue, two verses later, he said the same verse. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is of the kingdom of heaven. Every time Jesus talked about marriage and divorce, he talked about children because he knew that divorce greatly impacts children. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. All I'm trying to say, if you're in a marriage right now, and you think we're going to divorce, and it's in no way going to affect our children, that is simply not true. That I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, folks, because I'm going to stand before God one day. And that is simply not true. And what I'm saying to you today, we ought to work to have a marathon marriage. And here's what I say. If you're in your first marriage, work to make it a marathon marriage. If you're in your second marriage, work to make it a marathon marriage. If it's your third or your fourth, whatever marriage you're in, work to make that relationship a marathon marriage. Work to make that marriage go the distance. Work to make that marriage last. Now, let me, let me say this. You say, Pastor, I've been divorced. And, and sometimes, folks, sometimes people go through an unwanted divorce. 
And sometimes people go through a divorce, and after it's over, they, they regret the decision that they've made. I want to say today, I don't believe that divorce is some unpardonable sin. I don't believe that God is not going to forgive you and not going to use your life because you've been through a divorce. But I'm just saying whatever you're in, work to make it the best you possibly can. Let me say something. My mother went through three marriages. Three marriages, and she had one good one, the third one. But what you may not know, that third marriage was to a man who my mother was his fourth wife. And I literally was working as a custodian in a foundry, cleaning commodes, and preaching on street corners and rescue missions and nursing homes. And that fourth husband said to me, you ought to get in Bible college. And I said, I can't go to Bible college. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability to learn. He said, yes, you do. And he said, for every degree you'll complete, I'll pay for. And I went all the way through college and got an earned doctorate. Wait, and he paid for it. Let me tell you something. There wouldn't be any Benny Tate preaching today. There wouldn't be any Benny Tate preaching today if it wasn't for a man who was in his fourth marriage. There wouldn't be a Benny Tate. So all I'm saying, God takes mess. He takes a mess and makes a message out of it, amen? He takes a test and makes a testimony out of it, amen? He takes what the devil means for bad and he can turn around and use it for good. And what I'm saying to you, no matter what you're in today, let's make it a marathon marriage. See, I'm convinced when we get married, you go through five stages. You say, what, what, what do you mean you go through five stages? Well, first of all, you start out, it's the, it's the wonderful stage of marriage. Yes, it's the, it's, a, it's, it's the urge to merge, amen? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hormone heaven, amen? I mean, it's the, it's the wonderful stage of marriage. I mean, you, you, you say, hey, we got a marriage that's made in heaven. But let me tell you something. You don't stay in the wonderful stage of marriage. I, I wish you did. I, I wish I could tell young couples, you'll always be in that wonderful stage of marriage. Because what you do, you move on to that war stage of marriage. See, when you get married, the two become one, and in the war stage, you're trying to decide which one. Yeah, you start out and it's ideal, and then you have an ordeal, and you feel like you've got a raw deal, and you're hunting for a new deal, amen? <laughs> I mean, it's the war stage. But, and by the way, folks, uh, last night, Barbara and I was driving down the road, and she was looking at something. She said, that couple, she was reading it. She said, they said they'd been married five years and never had a disagreement. And she said to me, liar, liar, liar. And I said to her, liar, liar, liar. Because, see, when you get married, folks, when you get married, you come from different families. And when you get married, you have selfish differences. And when you get married, you have male and female differences. It just happens with all people. 
I mean, literally, I mean, Barbara and I had been married like one day. And, uh, <laughs> and I took a bath. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm hanging my towel up. She said, hanging your towel up. You need to put the towel in the dirty clothes. It's dirty. I said, no, no, no. See, Barbara, let me explain. Mama said, <laughs> Mama said that you went, in the, you went in the tub, you went in the shower dirty. But see, Mama said when you dried off, you were clean. And Mama said the towel wasn't dirty, that the towel was clean because, see, I, I, used the, I used the dial soap. I'm clean, and Mama said that I'm clean. So Mama said we just hang the towel back up, and Mama said I could use the towel several more times. And she said, well, Mama doesn't live here. And for 35 years now, every time we bathe, we wash the towel, Amen. But you come in the family, everybody does. And that's why you have that war stage because you're from different families and you see different things different. And one of you's a male and one of you's a female and you see things differently. Barbara will be talking to a lady and she'll say, you know, spring's coming around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me a new pocketbook. I've never pulled my wallet out and said, hey, Bob. <laughs> Spring's coming. I think I'll get me a new wallet. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, we just, God made us different. Sometimes we'll go out with couples to eat, and Barbara and the lady will go off to the restroom. She says, you don't, go, you don't go to the restroom? I don't know why they go to the restroom. They go to the restroom. I don't know, but they do it. You know, kid, I, I've never gone out to eat and look over at old Bob and say, Bob. <laughs> Let's me and you go to the restroom, amen. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Before Bob ever says to me, let's me and you go, I'm not going, amen. <laughs> I'm just saying, you go through that, that stage. God made us different. It's not bad. It's just what it is. But let me tell you, then you reach the third stage. It's the wonder stage. What do you mean the wonder stage? If you spend too much time in the war stage, you start wondering, did I really make the right decision? And if you stay in the wonder stage too long, you'll start wondering. You'll start, start wandering. But you get to the fourth stage, and this is very important, folks. You get to the fourth stage, and the fourth stage is the work stage. Because here's what I want you to understand. Marriage is work. Marriage is work. It's something that you can never, it, you, you, don't, you don't reach a pinnacle. It's something you've constantly got to be working at. But look, if you start out with the wonderful and you move to the war and you move to the wonder stage and you get to the work stage, listen, you'll eventually get to the worth it stage. Worth it. And you'll say, it was worth it. And I'm glad we stuck in here. Now, Pastor, how can I have a marathon marriage? Top three answers are on the board. Number one, commitment. Commitment. What are you talking about? I'm talking about, folks, when you get on the matrimonial airplane, 
you throw your parachute out the window. When you get on the matrimonial airplane, you throw your parachute out the window. What it means is when you get married, you're no longer looking for a blue light special. <laughs> what is commitment? This is what I believe, folks. I believe it's the best definition I ever heard. Commitment is being willing to be unhappy for a while. Commitment is being willing to be unhappy for a while. Think about this. When you got married, you said, Pastor Benny, I made a, I made a commitment. I made a vow to my mate. You did. But there's something far more important than that. Ecclesiastes 5 and 5 says this. You made a vow to God. And the Bible says it's better to not have made a vow than to make a vow and break it. And when we make a vow to God, it's very, very serious. All I'm saying, folks, whatever marriage you're in, if it's going to last, it's going to be because you make a commitment to it. That you say, I've made, somebody said commitment's making a decision. No, it's not. Commitment is making a decision and having the courage to stand behind that decision. A young boy asked his grandfather, Grandfather, what did you all wear to protect yourselves from the diseases of your day? And the grandfather said, a wedding band. A wedding band. Somebody said, oh, Pastor, well, the, the church needs to address safe sex. Get this down. God never meant for it to be dangerous. God's provision, even in 2020, was one man and one woman. Just, I want to show you the point that I'm preaching. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, you can build your house on the sand or you can build your house on the rock. Go down to Destin, Florida, Panama City, and fall down in the sand. Lay down. You know what that sand will do? That sand will conform to your body. That sand will conform to your body, and it will feel so good, and it will feel so right. If we're not awful careful, we'll lie down in the sand and conform our values to the sand. Because it feels so good and it feels so right. But the Bible says when the storm comes, the house is destroyed. And if you conform your values to sand, it may feel so right. But when the storm's coming, the sand won't sustain you. But look, fall down on a rock. Ouch. It's not so comfortable. It's not so caressing. To be honest with you, it's downright hard. Building your house on the rock. Sometimes, folks, I, I know this is not the happy, clappy preaching, but sometimes the house on the rock is difficult. 
Sometimes the house on the rock is hard. Sometimes the house on the rock is trying. But I want you to know something. When the storm comes, when the storm comes, if that home is built on the rock, that home will sustain the storm simply because it's built on the rock. I want to challenge you to make a commitment to say we may go through some hard times, but we are going to build our home on the rock. I knew I was going to be preaching for four weeks, so I've studied everything as I possibly can about marriage, and I've got to move, but I found out something interesting. Marriages that last associate with people who have a low opinion of divorce. Marriage that, that last associate with people who have a low opinion of divorce. Ma'am, if all your friends are talking about how happy they are since they got rid of their meathead, it won't be long till you'll be looking to get rid of your husband. How can we have a marathon marriage? Number one, commitment. Top three answers. Number two, communication. Do you realize in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5, if a man in the Bible was in the military, the moment he got married, he took off a year from the military to learn how to communicate with his wife because God knew that communication was so important. A lady said to me, Pastor Benny, I want a husband to communicate with. But she said, I got a couch that burps. A young preacher did his first wedding. He got to the part, and he said at this time, he was nervous. He said, it's customary to kiss the bride. And he messed up and said, it's kiss-to-marry to cuss the bride. <laughs> if we're not awful careful, we get in trouble. We try to communicate. We use methods that are not good. There's the screamers. We think we just scream. We get loud. But voices go up. Communication goes down. Then we got the steamers. They want to pout up for days and not speak. Feel like they're holding something over somebody as long as they pout. One man wrote his wife a note and says, wake me up at 5 a.m. He wakes up at 7 a.m., starts screaming to his wife, I told you to wake me up. I told you to wake me up. She points to the nightstand. There's a note there that says, 5 a.m., time to get up. Screamers, steamers. Then you got streamers. Streamers. We don't resolve anything. We just turn on the waterworks and I get my way. And then we got schemers. I don't get mad. I get even. Now I want to hurry, folks. I'm, I'm almost done. That's a lie. <laughs> How can we communicate? How can we have good communication as a husband and wife? You, you don't need my opinion. You need what God's Word says. And God tells us five or six things from this text. Lovingly speak the truth. That's what verse 25 says. See, folks, the foundation of every relationship is trust. So speak the truth. Always speak the truth. Let, let me say this. Can trust be regained, Pastor Benny? Uh-huh. But you got to understand something. It's a long, long process. And it takes two people working together. Because the Bible says it's easier to overthrow a strong city than to regain trust. So here's what I would say to couples. 
lovingly speak the truth. Friend, if she says, where are you? Wherever you are, tell her where you are. Amen? Amen. And if he says, how much money did you spend? Tell him how much you spent. I'm, I'm just saying, lovingly speak the truth. Listen, if, you, if you're honest, if you're honest, you don't have to deal with that later on. Just be honest with one another. I said to Barbara, I'm just going to be honest. I, I want to tell you the truth. Number two, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Look what he said. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get this down, folks. This is so good. He said, if you have a problem, deal with it. If you have a problem, deal with it right there. You say, well, I let it fester and I pouted for three days. Grow up. <laughs> deal with it right Don't wait. Wait, wait. Don't wait till you have intensive fellowship and then throw up 14 things. Deal with it. Because look, if you don't deal with it, the devil gets place. That place there, it literally means a geographical location. It's talking about two, two militaries battling each other and one taking ground from the other. And what the devil does, when we don't deal with it, he takes ground in our marriages. He takes ground in our marriages. Number three, lift one another up with words of encouragement. Lift one another up with words of encouragement. Ephesians 4 and 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of the mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Everybody knows this verse. I'm going to quote it, and, and you know it. Proverbs 18 and 21, death and life's in the power of the tongue. But I never noticed verse 22 says, whosoever findeth the wife findeth the good thing. <laughs> it's talking about edification. Let it be for your wife. Let it be for your husband. Don't say things that's derogatory and detrimental. And de let, let me tell you something. For everything you say that's hurtful, it's going to take 10 or 12 to recover from that. This man was a, not a real smart guy. This is what he said. He said, I swung my arm over my wife in bed, and it felt a little easier than usual. I said, baby, have you lost weight? She said, oh, honey, you're so sweet, but actually I've put on quite a few pounds. He said, oh, <laughs> that explains it. You've sunken deeper in the mattress. <laughs> now, listen to this, folks. I want to give you a proven fact. Come up real close. This is a proven fact. Women who are overweight live longer than men who mention it. <laughs> Number four, listen more, talk less. Where'd you get that? James 1.19. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Learn to listen. Somebody said, I want to be a good communicator. Start listening. Larry King, it just hit my mind. The old host, Larry King, he said, I never learned anything while I was talking. I never learned anything while I was talking. Listen more. Talk less. You can have a ping pong back and forth, but I promise you, It'll never be resolved until somebody listens. And the more mature person in any relationship will be the one who focuses on what's right, not who's right. The most mature person in every relationship is the one who's willing to say, I'm sorry first. 
When somebody says, I never say I'm sorry, that's not smart. That's not smart. We all have to say we're sorry. And number five, learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. Look what the Bible says. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me tell you, since it's just us here today, how many of you have ever done something that you wish you had not done? Let me ask you this. If you could go back, would you not do it? Yeah, me too, me too. Can I tell you, folks, the most miserable thing on earth is when somebody throws up something to us that there's no way we can change. Because if we could change it, believe me, we would change it. And you know, you say, but what he did or what she did was wrong. And what you're doing is wrong. Because the Bible says keep no record of wrong. Keep no record of wrong. So every time you're throwing it up, you're displeasing God just like they displeased the Lord. Let it go. Learn to forgive. Pastor, how can I have a marathon message? How can I have a marathon marriage? Top three answers on the board. Number one, commitment. Number two, communication. Number three. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says this. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Let me tell you a story. This is the best thing I'm going to say. This is the best thing I'm going to say. And in just two or three minutes, I'm finished. But this is the best thing in this message. There was a little girl that was drawing a picture. And her teacher said, what are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And they said, Sally, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, they will when I'm finished. God was in heaven, folks. God was in heaven. And God said this. He's a spirit. God said, I want to paint a picture of myself on earth. I want to paint a picture of myself. I want the people on earth to be able to see me. I want to paint a picture of myself. This is what the Bible says. And God said... Let us make mankind in our image. Let us make a, a picture. Let us make a picture. And the picture is mankind. Not Now get this, folks. Not just man, but mankind. Man and woman. Now, why did God say, let us? Because you've got to understand God. Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem. Jesus was from the beginning. Jesus didn't begin when the beginning began. He began the beginning. Amen? So in the beginning, listen to me. In the beginning, there was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look. There are three persons, but they're one being. There are three persons, but they're one being. And God said, let us 
make a picture of ourselves down there. Verse 27 says, So God created mankind. Look, not just man, but mankind in his own image. In the image of God, a picture of God, a picture of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. God said, and the next verse, he told them to start multiplying, start having children. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, those three, one being. A husband, a wife, and God, one flesh. God said, of myself is marriage. So that's why, folks, I say to every one of us, God put you in you, and God put you in you, and God put you in you together for the kingdom. you together for the kingdom most people never realize it but that's why we're together God put us together for the kingdom you say but Pastor Benny it's it's my third marriage yes that's okay because God makes good out of whatever's bad and God put you together for the kingdom that's why it's so important that you have a marathon marriage. And you have that through just saying, we're going to be committed. We're going to learn how to communicate. But Christ is going to be number one. Because without him, we're just that. Without him, we're just that. But with him... We can be that. You know what's interesting? Let me say this. One out of every two marriages end in divorce. One out of every 105 marriages end in divorce if they got married in a church wedding. And in church. So maybe church weddings are important. But I got something better than that. One out of every 1,005 marriages end in divorce where a man and wife weekly go to church together and daily pray together. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood 
was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.